Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is John J.P. Podlasic of Game Dev Advice. I'm a 30-year veteran of the game development industry and have a podcast where I interview artists, animators, programmers, designers, CEOs, and all different types of people that work in the game development industry. Whether you're an aspiring or an experienced game developer, you'll find useful, thought-provoking, and sometimes funny advice on the podcast. So check it out. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 123 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a man who is batting away plagiarizers of his Dead Cells review left and right, Robert Workman. What is a man? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, the whole thing with IGN. I mean, we'll get more into detail in it a little bit later, but... Trying to put the whole thing behind. I mean, obviously, IGN called out the mistake. They removed the video. They fired the writer, and they yeah. promised to not let it happen again in the future. Although, who knows? I don't know. But the yeah. team is working. And um, just just for like reference to like for people who may not be in the know of it anyway, uh, there was a Dead Cells review that went up uh, for uh, you know, for uh, for IGN, uh, and the writer apparently um, kind of lifted a lot of the same language, or just kind of like did kind of like high school level editing to make it sound not exactly the same, but still largely the same review basically of the game dead cells. Um, and it, uh, basically, you know, he basically plagiarized, uh, the work of a, um, a small YouTube channel. Um, oh yeah. Boomstick gaming, boomstick gaming. Yeah. Um, you know, so not, not that, you know, this is kind of like jumping into the news more or less, but like, it's, it's, it is kind of like a, it was kind of like a big thing that kind of like happened, especially like, you know, over Twitter and, um, you know, all the heat and like now that this guy is getting, um, I believe is, uh, Philip something or other. I forget, I forget his name exactly. Philippe. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know his last name, but I mean, it was just a messy situation. I mean, like Boomstick posted, a re- posted a video mm-hmm. comparing like his stuff in his review and stuff from Philippe's review. And it wasn't exactly word for word up until about the end. And it got pretty damn close. But I mean, the tone and the words, a, a lot of that structuring was stolen, you know, so it's pretty clear night and day that um, Philippe was doing something. The question is what, you know, I mean, yeah. well, I really don't understand it. Out of, out of all the games that you skip past, why would you skip past dead cells? And I'll <laughs> talk about that in a little bit, but you know, David, uh, we shouldn't start in too negative and no, because I'll tell you right now, the reason I said, what is a man is because we have some big, big news on the Smash Brothers Ultimate front because we're seeing the return of a Castlevania character for the first time in ages. Mm-hmm. Well, two of them, actually, two of them. Uh, we, it was confirmed earlier this morning that Richter and Simon Belmont 
will be playable characters in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. I believe Richter will be the main, and Simon will work as his Echo Fighter, which means you can. It's choose actually the him. opposite in this case. So oh, oh, Simon, is it? Si- yeah, si- Simon Belmont is, is like the main, uh, is like the main character who is like the, the like the new character in this case, and Richter oh, okay. was kind of like named as being like a Echo more or less. But yeah, okay, my bad. I was told otherwise. That somebody lied to me. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Nintendo. It is great. They'll, they'll, they'll both be playable, which is great news. And uh, along with them, uh, King K. Rule from Donkey Kong Country will also be a playable character in the game and yeah. uh, he brings a lot of variety to the table as well. This is pretty exciting stuff on, on top of what else they revealed. They revealed uh, some new 5 on 5 modes, some 3 on 3 modes, a classic mode for single player, a music player that has about 20 hours worth of music That's including cool. yeah. 32 Castlevania tracks. I mean, it, this this game has more Castlevania tracks than most Castlevania games. <laughs> for uh, real. It's, it's pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we heard rumors about Belmont's joining a few weeks ago, but nothing confirmed. But now, you know, we're starting to see some traction there, and it's kind of interesting to see who else will be joining this, this little party here. Uh, but I'll tell you, it's really exciting to see the Belmonts come back and, you know, Konami working with Nintendo again to bring in uh, another classic character alongside Solid Snake. And it's really great to see these guys again. And it leaves hope open that, you know, Konami will revisit Castlevania for a new game someday. You know? Yeah, I mean, at least one that's not leading into a pachinko machine anyway. <laughs> oh, God. Why, why would you do that? <laughs> but uh, no, it, is, it is really exciting news, especially for Castlevania fans. Since, you know, as you mentioned there with uh, with Simon and Richter Belmont, uh, you know, c- you know, coming into the fold now. And um, and also like with, with the level too because like they had they added in Dracula's castle as a stage in, uh, in, in Smash yeah. Bros Ultimate. And um, what's really cool about this particular level is that it has these uh, different obstacles that are basically the uh, the various monsters. So you have like Frankenstein's monster and um, you know like uh, I think like I think death might be part of it too. Like there's all sorts of like monsters basically from like the old you know the old Castlevania games uh, that are going to be part of that particular level, including Dracula himself too, which is really cool. Like apparently he's gonna, basically going to be like a boss character more or less because he has all these. Uh, really powerful abilities that's just going to mess everyone up pretty much that comes across them um but you want to know what the real tragedy is they they Mm -hmm. killed luigi (laughs) yeah so that that caused like this is like kind of like a little sub story to the story really but like this um like apparently from like the trailer uh luigi is kind of like in uh, typical luigi's mansion kind of fashion basically using his um his flashlight and uh like his vacuum or whatever you know going around in dracula's castle and he comes he he comes across none other than death himself (laughs) who literally swipes his soul away and legit just kills luigi there so um it's uh it is is really uh, kind of disheartening. I feel like for like a lot of like Nintendo fans, especially since like you know they, they you know they they did kind of like allude to Ridley also killing uh, killing Mario and Mega Man in um in that trailer when when they when you know when they first revealed him. So um yes, it, it was it was really uh, it, it's it's really interesting like who they're kind of choosing to kind of off in these trailers more or less. Well, I mean, Nintendo later said no, he's not dead. So apparently, like Liu Kang, he's immortal. I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, you Zombie know, it's it was just a really great presentation this morning. A lot of features to look forward to, and uh, Dead Luigi apparently will be a skin. Who knows? <laughs> um, all the same, you know, David, this game is shaping up to be an incredible Smash Brothers party. Like it has single player covered, multiplayer covered. It almost sounds like they're going to throw in a ton of modes for competition. Yeah, uh, just the tournament mode in there. Uh, Smash Down mm-hmm. is like another one too, like where you pick uh, characters and like whichever character is picked, you can't use them again in like the next round, basically. So it's uh, yeah. it's pretty cool, like elimination mode, basically in that. 
Yeah, it's really something. Um, you know, I know Nintendo doesn't have too heavy a slate uh, with releases going into the winter season, but this looks to be pretty incredible. Yeah, and um, also like to like you know since we were mentioning with like Echo Fighters, uh, there was also an Echo Fighter uh, Dark Samus was one, and um, I forget the, like the name of the other one, but it's like basically like a Fire Emblem character um, who I believe is like an Echo for Marth, I think. Um, but yeah, like so they're they're basically kind of like hitting all the uh, all the notes there for every fandom that's kind of like out there really, especially with with the King K rule being thrown in there too. Um, I was really excited to see that just because I, I am a big Donkey Kong Country fan, and like I'm I'm just glad to see K Rule kind of back in the fold. Um, the only thing that that could make it better for me, honestly, is if uh, they add in Wart from Super Mario Bros. Two in there somewhere, like as like a was it like the assist trophy or whatever. So, um, speaking of which, too, like they added in characters like Zero and like the Moon, and um, I forget like who else, but like all, all sorts of like other characters in there now as like assist trophies. So you're really kind of covering like all the fandoms. I even uh, was a gray uh, gray fox actually from the Metal Gear franchises in there, which is like a big surprise. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's really great to see all these those obscure characters. Even Shovel Knight's in there as an assistant. Yeah, movie. that was a really cool one actually. Yeah, um, I thought that was really great. So yeah, I mean fingers crossed, dude. We, we see even more. Rev- they even got a what was it? Um, one of the dragons from Monster, oh, Monster Hunter. Hunter. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Ra- one of the monstrous dragons. Yeah, it's Rathalos, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool as well. I mean, just everybody's in this except Waluigi. Yeah, well, Waluigi's in there as as an assist trophy, I know, but he's just not in there as like a like a real character, I guess you can call him. Um, so yeah, like I, I know, like a lot of people were kind of, were kind of like hoping to see Waluigi thrown in there, like to actually be a playable character. But I mean, at the very least, he's not completely out of it. So <laughs> at least there's some some love for him, I guess. You know, give him give him a shadow of uh, of Wario. Come on, I mean, he's got to get in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, I am I am really curious actually to see like what the other Echo Fighters are going to be like. You know, because you, you kind of have to figure that they're going to have to have like a similar build as like the base character, like who they're who they're based off of, or at least like similar like. Like uh, fighting style or weapons, you know, weapons that they use or whatever it might be. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious to kind of hear more of them for sure. Uh, but yeah, so you know, a, a lot of like really exciting news there from the Smash Brothers front, and um, I'm sure um, you're, you're going to have like more people who are like hoping to get. Um, I believe there was that uh, the special edition that was announced at least for European shores, um, like the one that includes like, the GameCube controller and the adapter, I believe. Yeah, uh, GameCube controller and adapter. Uh, no word on U.S. release yet, but I'm hearing rumors that it might be a Nintendo Store exclusive. Mm, okay. You know, like in New York, or they'll offer it online. I mean, you know, th- this is something that's been heavy in demand since the Wii U version. So, I mean, I don't see why they would shut us out. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll like see some sort of bundle in that regard. I mean, like especially with how popular that Wii U bundle was for the GameCube controller for uh, Smash Brothers on Wii U. Um, so I imagine that they'll see like what happened there and like make sure that they're you know properly in stock since like they know people are going to be buying that in droves, uh, especially all the hardcore Smash Brothers fans. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be waiting to uh, you know waiting to hear more Smash Brothers news. But it's it's looking really really amazing so far, especially with all like the levels. There's like over like a hundred levels. There's so many like things are just like jamming into this game that it really does feel like the you know the ultimate edition basically of Smash Brothers. So it's almost like they were going to call it that or something. Yeah, so it's almost like that. Yeah, almost. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll move on from like Smash Bros because we do have a whole bunch of other news stories to get you know to get to here, uh, such as Master Chief uh, being announced as being a you know quote unquote huge role or like a main character basically uh, in the Showtime Halo series. 
so yeah, like it's you know it's you know I I just kind of heard this news and I was like, um, well yeah, duh, he's the main character in the game, so I don't see why that was like you know such a huge thing, but I guess it's good to at least have that confirmation. Well, you know, it might have taken a Halo Reach direction. It, they might be trying to tell some sort of new arc, but having you know having Master Chief involved, there's that level of familiarity, and it sounds like they're going all out to make sure it's loyal to the Halo series. So having him on board makes sense. But the question is, who else are they going to bring? Are they going to bring Cortana? Are they going to bring characters from Halo Five? You know, Halo ODST. Mm. There's a lot of possibilities there. And uh, what's interesting is Steve Downs, uh, the guy, the actor who portrays uh, Master Chief in the games, he retweeted the message, but that led to a lot of speculation that fans were wondering if he was going to be involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't confirmed yet, though. So um, uh, it's great news all around for Halo fans because, you know, obviously you want your main character involved. I mean, like having a, you know, like a, a Mario TV series with no sign of Mario makes no damn sense. So obviously you want to have a good character in there with the legacy rounded out around them. So it, it just makes sense to have them involved. Yeah. And uh, it'll also be like kind of the first time that we're seeing it. As, as far as I know, there's going to be live action, like the Showtime series. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of the first time that it feels like that this is really going to come into play uh, since hearing about that Neil Blomkamp Halo movie that was supposed to happen, but just didn't, you know, it, it didn't get off the ground basically, um, which I think is what led him to make District 9 because District 9 was basically kind of taking a lot of the ideas they had for the Halo movie, but obviously not set in the Halo universe by any means. But um, I think like a lot of the visualization basically he kind of took um, into that movie that was supposed to be placed into like a Halo movie. So, you know, it's just great to see that Showtime is, um, you know, putting money into like a series like this. And I'm just kind of curious to see how it turns out, um, especially since we, we, you know, we've already had a pretty good track record recently uh, with um, with like the Castlevania series on Netflix. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm willing to kind of see how it turns out. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to reserve judgment, I guess, until I see uh, like a proper trailer for this. Yeah, it's just going to be, you have to go wait a while because it won't be out until 2020, which means we probably won't get a trailer until like mid 2019 at best. Yeah, I'd imagine later. so. Yeah, oh well. It'll be well worth the wait. I mean, if they're taking their time to really put production into it. So I'm excited to see how it goes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So we'll be keeping an eye out for that. Um, and like, you know, again, like on kind of like the video games to other media front, more or less, uh, there is the Metal Gear Solid movie, which we've been hearing kind of like, you know, little trickles here and there about, uh, you know, especially lately. But uh, apparently the uh, the director uh, kind of made it you know very well known that he wants this Metal Gear Solid movie to be R rated. So that's kind of like his vision for the movie, like what he's kind of like aiming for. Um, which, if you're not like super familiar, I guess, with the ins and outs of like the movie industry, uh, studios generally like to shy away from R ratings, especially like you know R ratings are based on uh, existing franchises that have a um, kind of like a young person demographic to them, uh, especially like anything with like video games in this particular case. Um, but it, you know, I think it does make sense to have an R-rated Metal Gear Solid movie. It's certainly more on the mature end. Uh, I think the games are all mature rated, if I remember correctly. Although they're, they're yeah. not, they're, they're not exactly known for me bloody, but I think just kind yeah, of mature rated I mean, anyway. The thing is, the thing is, you're absolutely right. When it comes to video game films, uh, most directors usually go for a PG-13 approach because it's able to draw in a bigger audience of like adults and you know, like younger younger viewers alike. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas with rated R, it's obviously 17 and up. And, uh, you know, like out of all the video games we film, we've seen like uh, only like the Resident Evil series seems to come to mind when it comes to R rated. And those weren't exactly well received. So 
I think with this movie, though, uh, Jordan Vote Roberts, he wants to retain the vision of what Kojima did. I mean, he spent weeks talking to Kojima to make sure that the tone was perfect and all that. He, he talked with his screenwriter. You know, he, he really went all out to make sure that the script was so called so called wacky mm-hmm. in the Metal Gear Solid way. So with that, he, he's trying to make sure that it's very true to its tone. And that's our rated tone because that was a mature rated series. But of course, um, there's just a matter of finding the studio that will go for that, you know, because it is a risk. It is when you make an R-rated movie instead of a PG-13 movie, unless it's something along the lines of The Matrix or Deadpool 2, it's not exactly a guaranteed success. So yeah. he's really going to have to like do his research. But, I mean, I'm cheering him on. I'd rather see an R-rated Metal Gear Solid movie than a movie that was like PG-13. You know, when, when it's... um. When it's limited, it's really hard. And even if it is rated R, you know, you're still going to make sure you get the tone and everything perfect. And if you need an example of that, uh, go look at Dune. Mm, uh, that, yeah. was, that was rated R and that was kind of bleh, you know, but uh, I had a lot more fun watching Rampage. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think uh, Jordan's on the right track there. And, I, you know, fingers crossed that he can pull it off. I, I'm really looking forward to see what he does with Metal Gear. Yeah, I'm just like a little hesitant with it, honestly, because I, you know, as, as you kind of like alluded there too, like I, I don't believe he has a studio attached to this already. So he, he seems to be just kind of shopping this idea around at the moment. Um, which, considering how much buzz uh, it's getting, it's not getting a whole lot of buzz, but he, he, you know, he's certainly been like more vocal about it lately. It seems, and I, I don't know if that's going to be to his benefit. Really, I, I feel like everything that he's kind of like talking about, like with this movie, as he's like in the middle of pitching it, um, can like work against him. Really, in this case, um, you know, and I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just a little, I guess, like hesitant to get excited for this thing I'm, I'm not going to be excited until i see like more of like what's you know what's happening and if it gets close to being like a real thing because right now it's just kind of like a pie in the sky kind of idea well i'll tell you sony took a good look at his script and they sent it over some revisions so he's working on those so it sounds like sony might be on board mm-hmm uh, which would you know make sense because obviously you know it was a playstation 4 thing for a while there uh with metal gear solid 4 so i mean it sounds like he is trying to move forward, and that's good progress. But obviously, yeah, nothing's finalized yet. But it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see how it shapes up over the next few weeks. I'm cheering him on because I, I loved um, Kong Skull Island. I thought it was a great movie, and his uh, fan Metal Gear Solid film, which you can find on his Twitter account over there uh, at Vote Roberts, uh, is really something. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm hoping he gets to make his film. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll, I'll certainly like root for it to be good. I mean, I, I always want to see a good movie, especially one that's based on a video game franchise, because we definitely need more of those. Um, so uh, we'll just kind of wait and see like what actually happens with this, if anything does happen. So I'm just uh, keeping my expectations uh, very low uh, at this moment with where, where with where the movie stands. But uh, I, yeah, I, I, I do but... I do hope it turns into a thing. So. Yeah, but, you know, Solid Snake's not going to turn into somebody, say, like Sagat from Street Fighter, uh, who was kind of uh, ish I guess. I know, he wasn't really. Hmm. He was. He was a little more true to his character than E Honda. I'll definitely give him that. But I'll tell you where Sagat is really true there, David, and that is in Street Fighter Five. Uh, it was announced this week during Evo 2018 tournament that Sagat, along with a newcomer by the name of G, not related to House of the Dead's G, by the way. Uh, <laughs> is now playable in Street Fighter V, obviously. He's a legendary character. He appeared as the final boss in the original Street Fighter, and he's appeared in Street Fighter II, and pretty much every sequel after. He's had a rivalry for years with Ryu, and uh, now players get to play as him. And then, uh, like I said, there's also G, which is this weird, uh, bearded uh, fighting guy with explosive capabilities. One of his outfits, he looks like Abraham Lincoln. I don't know. 
Yeah, like, it, it, like, it, like as far as I know, with like G, like he has this whole um, delusion of being like president of the United States or president of like the world or whatever it might be. Sounds and, like someone I know. Yeah, <laughs> and he he uses the power of social media apparently to power himself up. So um, sounds like someone I know. Yeah, yeah. So clearly they're making like a lot of allusions to our own President Trump uh, in this country, and um, it's you know I would say in a more like hilarious kind of fashion and um, in typical kind of Street Fighter fashion, I guess, like where um the sign the the inspirations for a character are very much on the sleeve more or less so um but yeah um yeah i'm definitely intrigued by g but i I am really excited to see saga come back honestly uh he has been in every street fighter game i guess like except for um except for the street fighter 3 games and that was always kind of like a uh i guess if you like pay attention to like the the street fighter lore anyway uh that was kind of like a a significant gap i guess with saga um not really being part of the overall story and like where he was so because Street Fighter Five actually takes place after Street Fighter Three, and Street Fighter Three before Street Fighter Five, anyway, was like the most um, f- most futuristic, I guess, of the Street Fighter games. It's like for, for you know the furthest into the future before Street Fighter Five came around. Uh, seeing Saga come back and the fact that they do, you know that they do have a story mode um, is kind of interesting to kind of see like what they. I guess I do with him because, uh, like, as far as I know, he's just kind of like battling with his with his demons, with his own self, and um, and all, you know, also as far as what I've seen too, he's actually battling with the Satsui no Hado, which is that um, that you know that uh, build of rage, I guess, that Ryu had to fight against that would turn him into evil Ryu in the games. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really great to see where they could take the story from here with Street Fighter Five. I mean, obviously they didn't announce anything for story mode, but. Sagat's inclusion there is it? Yeah, I say Sagat, whatever. Yeah, Sagat. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's really great, just you know that they're keeping up the legacy and they're trying to keep everything still tied in together because it took forever for him to arrive. It was sort of like uh, took forever for Blanca to arrive in Street Fighter Five. He's a fan yeah. favorite, so for sure. Um, yeah, but I'm cheering it on, uh, and obviously uh, we have not seen the last of the Street Fighter roster. We'll see probably a couple more fighters introduced, and then they'll roll into season four. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think. Um... I mean, as far as I know, these are the last two characters in this particular season. I'm sure they'll roll, you know, they'll roll out like another season and uh, see what happens there. But yeah, there, there were like all sorts of like characters that were uh, that were announced uh, during during Evo, and um, a couple that we have to mention too is from Soul Calibur Six, uh, which is Song Mina, who's like the um, uh, the woman who's kind of, she's kind of like the female Killick in a lot of ways. She uses like a long yeah. pole weapon, but with like a blade at the end. And uh, everyone's big favorite monster, Astaroth, <laughs> is coming back too, which is uh, was really exciting. Yeah, and then not to mention um, Tekken Seven. Uh, they announced a couple of their returning fighters, but the one that really stands out is Negan from yeah. The Walking Dead. I I, I like that. Um, it's really cool that uh, Negan's involved. Although you got to wonder, like, is it is it all baseball swings? Does does he have some kicks? Does does he send in zombies to hit some? But I, I want to <laughs> see I want to see Negan gameplay. And then uh, I wanted to mention this because last week we talked about how um, I don't know if we talked about it actually. Uh, SNK heroines, a female Terry Bogard. Well, uh, the news is uh, Fighting Ex Layer. They're adding the male Terry Bogard. Oh really? Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, he he was announced for that too. Yeah, there were like a lot of announcements like that. Um, but to go back to Negan though, I th- I thought Negan like as you know as like surprising as that was, it's also very strange, really, especially for Tekken because you would think like a Walking Dead character, especially someone like Negan with the bloody baseball bat with the barbed wire and all that. Uh, and just like his very nature, and you know the fact he comes from the Walking Dead, he would be a better fit for a game uh, like um, like Mortal Kombat. Uh, so I don't know. Like with like Tekken, I just don't. It just doesn't seem to make sense to me, really. But I am really well, curious to see like how that gameplay uh, works with him and how he 
fits if he does fit into it. Who knows? Well, if I, if I can be honest here, though, David, mm-hmm. it's a brilliant move. It's absolutely brilliant because if you think about it, like nobody expected Negan, first of all. Right. You know, they, they, were, they were probably guessing something along the lines of – you saw like the Geralt announcement, for instance, threw a lot of people off because they didn't expect Geralt to show up in – or Geralt Rivia to mm-hmm. show up in um, – so caliber but thematically but, he, he kind of make, makes sense in that in that franchise you know he he does and and that's completely understood but i mean the another thing you have to consider is the crossover appeal this the walking dead fans are going to eat this game up now we're talking about a game that's been up for over a year it, its hype has kind of died down with soul caliber 6 and dragon ball fighter z on switch taking over for it so you know harada wanted to do something to kind of shake things up we knew a second season pass was coming we've talked about it for a little while but we didn't know how they would shake things up and now we do now we know that negan's going to be part of the picture and that really opens up the possibility of different guest characters. Because in the past, we've seen guest characters like um, Geese Howard from Fatal Fury, mm-hmm. Noctis from Final Fantasy XV, limited to game universes. But now, you know, who knows? We might see uh, we might see Ash from The Evil Dead. We <laughs> Voiced by Bruce Campbell, please and thank you. Ba- battle him against Negan. That yeah. would be kick-ass. Can we get, like, um, Bob Ross in The King of Fighters? Or... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Gonna paint a little tree, and then I'm gonna hit you with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Anything's possible at this point, honestly. Yep. That was the worst Bob Ross impression. Uh, <laughs> Happy little but, trees. Uh, yeah, I know. But it, it's, yeah, I know, angry Bob Ross. That's what we know how to Bob Ross. You know, <laughs> as oddball a move as it is, it's brilliant. It really ties into the possibilities of crossover potential to keep the game alive and keep its fans happy. I mean, imagine if Injustice 2 announced the second season and brought in the likes of, say, Chucky from Child's Play. As Tiny as be, he'd be, you know, completely kick ass, you know, yeah. great low form character. There's always these possibilities of bringing in, because, like, Let's be honest. There was one point in Mortal Kombat X where you wondering like we would get Leatherface or Alien or Predator. Well, or absolutely Jason not. Voorhees. But like yeah. when like when I heard those like announcements, though, they made sense because you bring in like these horror icons basically into like a game as bloody and violent as Mortal Kombat. That makes sense from like a thematic standpoint. I'm just saying, like with Negan, I just can't envision how he fits into that. That um, you know that like roster basically with like with, with like the uh, the like Tekken roster, um, you know especially when you kind of compare them like against like you know with like assassins and with like martial artists and people like who um, can call like tigers out and stuff like that. Like I think there's like a character that, or against like bears yeah. like with Kuma and stuff like that. Like it just I I just don't quite understand how that's going to fit and how that's going to work just thematically. I'm just intrigued to see what what they're going to do with them. Um, so I'm definitely willing to hold full reservation until again I kind of say like a trailer basically. But I like it's just a very odd choice is all I'm saying. Oh, I I hear you. It's definitely out of left field, but in a sense it makes sense. Like I said, shakes things up, brings in more franchise plans. I mean, there there is a lot to be done here. But yeah, he could be a weak character. But knowing Harada and his team, there is <laughs> there is no way they're gonna fuck up Negan. They they, they can't. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I have faith. You know, we'll, we'll see some other characters pop up in the meantime and then Negan will come out probably for Halloween or something, ideal release date. So yeah, makes sense, we'll probably yeah. see we'll see more of him probably next month. But um, yeah. I have faith. You know, we we've seen characters like Oh, he's going to be a lousy fighting character, but I'll tell you what, I, I still play his Leatherface in Mortal Kombat 10. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, because anything's it, possible. Yeah, it, like makes sense for him at least. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll kind of like wait and see. Like on Negan, I'm I'm sure like as you mentioned there, like it'll come out like around like Halloween time because that's usually when like the Walking Dead seasons kind of start up anyway. So I'm sure they'll kind of like tie that in for the uh, for the double promotion. Basically, they'll have like a Tekken commercial playing during like the season uh, season premiere and all that stuff. So. Um, but one thing that didn't see a premiere here, Robert, was uh, South Park on Game Boy Color. Now, oh, yeah. this is something that we've been kind of hearing some rumors about, I know, lately. There's kind of like some rumblings here and there of this game just existing, basically, like a South Park game on Game Boy Color. Uh, but now we actually saw like a leak online here uh, where people can actually get, you know, gain access to the game. Yeah, it was kind of weird, you know, because like at the time we thought South Park's uh, exclusive titles were over in Nintendo 64, along with PlayStation and all that. But um, there was a t- there was a lot of rumor there that the Game Boy Color game was canceled due to mainly a lack of interest. You know, like mature rated game on a Game Boy at the time was kind of hard to come by. Yeah. Um, you know, so and uh, then it surfaced here, and according to uh, a Resetera user by the name of Kravarvi Abadas, uh, I actually said that right. I- I'm shocked. <laughs> uh, it was canceled because the makers of South Park, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, were concerned due to the main audience of the Game Boy back then being children. Though they did keep a prototype card. I mean, probably the source of the release. Uh, they did that for historical purposes. The game just didn't get a general release. Again, mm-hmm. this was at a time when Acclaim was releasing garbage like Mary-Kate and Ashley, uh, Get a Clue, and the new adventures of Mary-Kate and Ashley, and then, of course, Maya the Bee. So something tells me that if Acclaim did move forward with this release, it, it'd be interesting because, you know, imagine, like, you know, you have a portfolio, Mary-Kate and Ashley, Maya the Bee, South Park! <laughs> <laughs> It's a little weird. As far as the game itself, it is a fascinating little project, but I can totally see why Trey Parker and Matt Stone went to cancel it. My question is, why didn't they cancel those shitty Nintendo 64 games? Because <laughs> they yeah. said they hated those, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that was kind of like the first like foray for South Park in like video game format. And obviously, like they have like you know quite a, like a video game history really like since then. But um, yeah, it, I, I guess it kind of like makes sense that uh, they would be disappointed with it, but at the same time. Uh, it's something that, I don't know, it felt kind of like a little bit of like growing pains as far as like how to make that work. Cause we even had like a Simpsons episode just recently, like where we kind of talked about the growing pains of that franchise going into video games, uh, with like Bart versus the space mutants and whatnot. So, um, it's, um, and I, I, I'm kind of curious to see like how this plays. Cause like, as far as I could see, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I've only seen like a screenshot of the title here. Um, and I do like the designs of, of like Stan and Kyle and, and you know Cartman and Kenny here on the, on the title screen. I, you know, I like how it looks, especially for a Game Boy Color game. Um, so I'm definitely kind of curious to see like how it plays, or if, you know, if I, if I can get like hands on the ROM to actually kind of play through it. So um, yeah, I'm really curious about it. Yeah, well, I mean, these aren't you know uncommon. Uh, a while back, a buddy of mine, uh, Scott Patterson, PSP original PSP, there, he found a ROM for Akira. Mm, uh, based right. on the hit uh, Japanese anime of the same name. Uh, there was a game in the works. It was almost pretty much complete, and then it got canceled. But he found like a prototype of it. He showed it off at a couple of presentations. I think he was at Portland Retro Gaming Expo next li- last year with it. Mm. And uh, it just showed, you know, like... Uh, you know, again, possibility of this game not releasing was probably due to the Game Boy's audience. You know, it's like, you know, kids wouldn't have any idea what Akira is. And then when they found out, it might be too much for them because that movie did pack a lot of baggage. So. Yeah, it's a bit of a mindfuck for sure. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, like I, you know, that that's like another one I would love to try out as well. But yeah, with with that South Park Ga- Game Boy Color game, um, you know, I'm definitely curious to kind of see more of it. So I'll be digging deeper into that. I think after after our recording. So, um, but like something that uh, that we don't have to dig too deep on here is Altered Beasts, since that's been widely d- distributed like around. But uh, now we're gonna see some uh, some extra goodies actually in celebration of his 30th anniversary here. Uh, like, you know, at least like from the uh, from the Sega shop anyway. Um, so I, I, you know, I know there's like a franchise that you have like some particular love for, Robert. Oh, yep. Rise from your grave. Rise from your um, grave. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's three years old. We're old. Dave. Well, I'm old. You're still just a pup, damn it. Uh, but, um, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you're, you're still in your what, twenties, thirties, the thirties. You know how old. But I know. But t- t- yeah, you're way too damn old. Um, anyway, I'm just twenty. I don't know what I'm talking about. But. Um, no, um, they're celebrating the 30th anniversary of Alter Beast over there at the Sega shop, mm-hmm. and they have a bunch of different goods available. You know, a hoodie, they have a variety of t-shirts, including a very cool transformation shirt where you could see the human turn into the wolf. That's really neat. Which I thought yeah. was really cool. As well as a Funko Pop figurine. It's like a 16-bit style werewolf figurine. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. And it got me thinking, you know, Alter Beast created quite a legacy for Sega. I think, like, the only thing that we were really missing, do you remember the PlayStation 2 game that came out in Japan, like, years ago, the Ultra Bloody one? Oh, uh, that was barely. acting like a reboot. Yeah, barely. Well, because yeah. there's a bear in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, it, it came out in Japan. It was supposed to come out in the US and then it got canceled. Mm-hmm. But it came out in Japan and I remember seeing an import of it and it was like super bloody, like a 3D sort of bloody hack and slash game where you changed in different animals. Mm. Just like game uh, i can understand why it didn't released here sega probably just had a lack of interest it's why they canceled their vector man reboot probably they just didn't want their franchise to go in the wrong direction mm-hmm. but i thought it was kind of fascinating and after doing a little research on that uh i took a look at the products and you know that the, it is really cool to see the 30th anniversary celebrated and i can't help but wonder could we see a new game you know they have been talking about reviving different franchises and stuff uh alter beast seems like an ideal fit for like a new brawler or you know like a 3d adventure where you change into different creatures to get around me better than the ps2 one please yeah something like that would be really cool yeah i could see like a new beat-em-up style game with like altered beast and have it be co-op and have like the um you know have like each character kind of turn into like different animals and whatnot um i I think they could definitely do some like really cool stuff with it i'm not sure like how much hype there would be for an altered beast like a new altered beast game uh it would certainly be interesting and certainly you know catch the attention of people like us for sure like who who grew up like playing those games for sure but um i don't know like i i I would be really intrigued but that's just kind of me speaking personally from a business standpoint I, I just don't see how that would really work, especially because like Sega in general has been very hesitant to release anything based on their older IPs, aside from Sonic the Hedgehog. So um, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just I'm just a little hesitant, I guess, like to say that there that there would be a new game, but I would definitely be intrigued by one for sure. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm sure you need to find the right team. I'm sure you need to find like the right stance so it doesn't turn into something really bad like the PS2 game. Yeah, um, well, just like the I, like demand for one too. Like that that's kind of the big thing I'm I'm, I'm kind of concerned about. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just I really want to see the series come back, but I want to see it come back in the right way. Yeah, you know, it's like um, a few years ago there was a Game Boy Advance game. And it worked really well because it followed the same side-scrolling 2D beat-em-up style as the original arcade game. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really well done. I mean, if they could do something like that, I would be down with it. 
you know, like a good 2D beat em up where, you know, you could have different abilities, different monsters. Something like that, you could introduce like a whole multitude of monsters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll I, I totally be down for it. It is cool to see that Sega is uh, doing something like, you know, really cool for, you know, for like the 30th anniversary of the franchise. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, like, it's, it is really neat. Like, I'm definitely intrigued by that, um, the Funko Pop one, actually, because that's, that's part of their 8-bit line. And, um, actually, the only Funko Pop figure that I own, like, the only one I own is that, um, it's, like, the 8-bit, uh, Jason Voorhees from the Friday the 13th game on, uh, on the NES. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like the only other one I would personally want to get is, you know, to kind of, like, match along with them is the NES Batman as well like if it was kind of like done in that same kind of like ridge style to kind of make them look like a like 3d 8-bit kind of like a kind of style so you you might be onto something there david pretty sharp yeah i mean like there there's like all these like other batman uh batman funko pop figures i know but none of them are in this 8-bit style and that's that just seems like a big missed opportunity so far but uh hopefully fingers crossed that they'll come out with that in the future but you know until then at least we're getting this altered beast figure so Oh yeah, you know, why it's from your grave? Yes, why it's from your grave? Yeah, see, I, I, I know it sounds more epic than that. I know that's like a half-assed effort, but yeah. you know, I just, I'm trying to be like, you know, God, like, oh, it's from your grave. See, that's how you do it. That's, that's how you. That's a, yeah, thank you. This is why I'm not a voice actor. <laughs> Welcome. So that's going to lead us now to the part of the show called "What Do You Play?" and it gets in the games we've all been playing or have recently beat. So, Robert, what have you been playing lately? Uh, I've been playing a couple of games. Uh, the first game, I actually just picked this up um, at a pawn shop earlier today, Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. Oh, yeah. Uh, this came out for Xbox 360 as well as Xbox and PlayStation 2 back in 2005. This was before the series took on Project 8, hmm. uh, Proving Ground, and then eventually f- screwed over with Ride and Shred and Pro Skater 5. It's like the last um, good Tony Hawk game, basically. Yeah. Pretty pretty much. And it's an open-world Tony Hawk game, which means you can take on challenges any way you see fit. You can explore the city. You can try different stuff. And uh, it's remarkable how fun this game is. And I can't help but wonder what was going through Activision's head when they reset the series. Project 8 wasn't horrible, but it tried to experiment too much. And then obviously Ride and Shred were horrible. So I have no idea. Mm. Um, but it's just, it's really interesting taking a look back at this and seeing such an amazing workable formula and how they don't want to go back to it. You know, it's one of those reminders that you can't go home again, which is kind of weird, but I definitely enjoy the game. And if you find a used copy, I highly recommend picking it up. It's way better than project date improving. Hmm. Uh, another retro favorite I picked up is Spider-Man friend or foe. Uh, I actually found a new copy uh, alongside Call of Duty World War for 15 bucks. Uh, I do my shopping. It's pretty nice. <laughs> and this is just, you know, it's not as detailed as, say, like Shattered Dimensions or Edge of Time, but it is a fun beat-em-up, and you can play with two players, which I think is really cool. Uh, different villains, too. You can play as different villains, like, you know, Green Goblin. Uh, I believe uh, Shocker shows up. There's a several different ones available. And I don't know. I, I think it's just a fun little retro treat, and I recommend tracking it down if you can get it for cheap. Uh, preferably used, but, hey, find it new. Go for it. Yeah. And then uh, the big one I want to talk about this week, David, is Dead Cells. Uh, mm. This is a game from the team at Motion Twin. It is a Metroidvania-style game. You might have heard of it from the IGN thing. <laughs> um, it's essentially you're uh, you're like this blob-like thing that takes control of a dead body and then leads him through basically this cavalcade of uh, environmentally or procedurally generated levels. Uh, you find different items. You power up with brutality and tactics. You pick up runes that can power you up in the long haul, and you take on all sorts of enemies with a brilliant combat style. I think this game's combat style is pretty incredible. Uh, the only downside, it gets tough very quickly. 
But I think part of the permadeath formula comes into play here because then you start all over again, but you you keep some of your progress. You lose your weapons and your other stuff, but you keep um, you keep these runes and you eventually build yourself up. Hmm. And it's really cool how well this game is put together. I absolutely love the gameplay. Uh, I think the visuals are spectacular. The music reminded me of classic Castlevania, which is really good. And uh, yeah, I mean, this game just has me look for the long haul. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, um, I got to play uh, the build for it anyway uh, during, um, I think it was during E3 or, or PAX, PAX East, I think, actually. It was during PAX mm-hmm. East. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, definitely curious like, to kind of play through the uh, like the full experience for sure. Um, but yeah, if, if you're kind of like have that Metrovania itch and, you, you know, and, and you're kind of looking for um, like some really like pretty pixel art style, uh, kind of like art style, really, uh, it's, um, it, you know, it, it definitely like scratches that itch as well. And uh, yeah, it's... It, it, it's it's really interesting. Like it's basically like um kind of like a roguelike, I guess, in the, like the Metroidvania sense. Um, but like it's definitely more action heavy and uh kind of like a brawler in some cases too. And you know certainly gets very visceral in a lot of ways. And it's um it's yeah it, it's it's a really really neat game. It's it's been getting like good good uh, good scores too. Like as far as like the reviews are concerned. So um you know at least the ones that that you know that have been um been been plagiarized. So <laughs> um but uh yeah like it's it, it's definitely one I think to like to look out for. Yeah, I think so. I think you should pick it up as soon as possible. It's very impressive. So yeah, uh, I've been busy with travel and stuff, but I've been finding time for games. What have you been playing, David? Uh, so I, you know, I, I'm still playing through Octopath Traveler. Um, so let's see. So I've gone through like uh, all, all, like all four of the chapters for each of the characters, like who I'm kind of mainly been playing as. Um, and I figured I was going to like, kind of like stop there, but then I found out that there was like actually like a, uh, like a secret final dungeon basically in the game that you can only unlock after you've gone through the, you know, all four chapters for each of the eight characters basically. So that's basically giving me incentive now to basically pick up like the other four characters who I have, who I haven't picked up yet. And, uh, just, you know, just kind of blow through those so I can get to the, uh, to that final dungeon, which I hear is really, really tough. Uh, cause you know, you got like, um, Ooh. you got like basically uh, like a boss rush more or less in that, in that one dungeon. Um, as far as I know, it's like basically all the bosses that you faced, um, in, in like the other characters chapters basically, but all in a row, like with no breaks whatsoever. And then it's all leading up to, I guess, like this one big boss who I, I don't personally know who it is. I'm trying to keep that like a secret for myself. Um, but I hear he's really, really tough. And uh, I'm really kind of curious to see uh, see how that how that fight plays out. So uh, just trying to get through the other chapters there. Um, aside from that, I also got to try out uh, Hello Neighbor on, uh, on, the, on the Nintendo Switch. Um, I've played the early version of this game, I remember, on Steam, and, like, you know, now it's out, like, you know, in, in full, basically, on all, on all the platforms, and uh, so I was playing it on Switch, and um, it's it's interesting, it's it's definitely pretty cool, like, it's basically a, um, like, a first-person stealth game, uh, you're, you're trying to move around in, like, this, uh, in, like, your neighbor's house, basically, without him catching you, if he catches you, he basically, like, tosses you out in the street and, like, outside the house, and you have to try to sneak in again, and, um, it's definitely intriguing. I feel like it's not very intuitive, really. It's it's really trying to mess with you as far as like what it is that you gotta do. So you have to, you kind of almost have to think like you're in a Skyrim game basically in order to do what would otherwise be like game breaking things, which are actually the solutions, uh, at least in that first level. Um, and then like in this in the second level, like you kind of get like uh, deeper into the neighbor's house, and it's 
it takes some twists and turns for sure. And it's definitely interesting enough. I feel like to go through, at least kind of see, uh, see where the story kind of leads you and what the hell that the neighbor is hiding in his house more or less. Uh, so it's, it's, it's intriguing enough like to try out at least. Um, and aside from that too, I've also been trying to beat your score in that ghost versus pinball game uh, in pinball arcade. Like I saw you post up like the, your, uh, your score, which is like 1.4 billion, like a 1.4 something. Oh, yeah. um, 1.4, 1.5, something like that. Yeah. And, uh, cause I, I remember you, you posted the, the, you know, the image online. And so I've been trying to kind of like go for that. Cause I think that's your score on the Xbox one version. So, um, I'm playing it on play on PlayStation four, but, um, the closest I've gotten now is 1.3 billion. So I'm creeping Ooh. up there and I'm able to break a billion on, on the, on the regular now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm trying to get to, uh, to that score that you have. So once I do, you'll definitely know, cause I'm definitely going to be posting that online. So. Yeah. Be like, hey, check it out. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, and then we'll, we'll have to find like another, another table at least to, uh, to try to get that. Cause I'm getting sick of, of playing through Ghostbusters all the time to try to get that score. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's what you're playing right there. And, uh, so, I, you know, with that, I do have a game code here to give away. Uh, this is for Pankapu, uh, on, uh, on Steam. Pankapu is a narrative action platformer that takes place in the dreams of Jaharel, a child troubled by a tragic incident. Upgrade your skills, find new competencies, and switch your Aegis in real time in order to get rid of the Nightmare's invasion. So, if that sounds like a jam, then definitely jump on this. Again, this code is for Steam. The code is N-B-Y-I-X-3-K-H-I-Y. Q3DYN. Again, that's Pankapu on Steam. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Stage of History. So with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So uh, we, we didn't preface it really in the episode before, but this is a Contra episode. Uh, so I figured we'll, like, you know, we'll bring up like a couple of Contra games here in the Stage of History, starting off with Contra 3 The Alien Wars. So this is a 1992 run-and-gun game by Konami. Two of the levels were top-down and made use of the SNES Mode 7 graphics capabilities. Changing the difficulty can give bosses new attacks or modifications to their easier counterparts. And the true ending is only unlocked after beating the game on hard difficulty. Uh, so I know, like at least with that last part anyway... Um, you can actually start off, uh, you know, the game on easy, beat the game on easy, and then basically have it uh, start again on normal. Basically, it'll just automatically, I think, uh, just like kick up the difficulty to like the next one. And so you can keep doing that until you beat the game on hard, and then that's when you get that true ending. This came in, a, in like the golden age of uh, Konami games on the Super Nintendo, back when stuff with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time, and Super Castlevania 4 were released. Because these games took advantage of the system in every way possible, and Contra 3 is no exception. Mm-hmm. It took advantage of Mode 7 with two of the stages, because it was a top-down thing, and instead of circling your character around, it followed your character around. So like when you turn left, the whole screen turned left. When you turn right, the whole screen turned right. Yeah, rotate like the level, basically. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was kind of surreal, especially when you fell. When you fell off a game, you went, oh, it followed your character into the pit, which I thought was really cool. Uh, and then there were some great bosses as well. I think the boss encounter is really something. There was this one where you started on a jet bike stage, and then you took to the air, and you had to keep jumping off rockets while taking down a giant airship. I thought that was one of my favorite bosses in the game. But uh, mm-hmm. obviously, we're going to uh, – slightly spoiler territory. If you haven't beat the game, we're about to go into there. The final boss. I thought the final boss was really cool for two things. Number one. Uh, there was a stage 
with the final boss in which you could actually shoot and decide which method he was going to come after you with. Because, mm. you know, these different orbs circled around, and if you shot the right one, you know, he'd have, like, some, like legs. He'd grow legs to try to stomp on you. Or orbs that he tried to shoot at you. You know, there, there were so many different attacks he could use, and you had to decide how he was going to attack you. That lazy bitch. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, the second thing, if you play on a hard difficulty and you think you've beaten, you know, the final boss, the brain and everything... Um, you know, it's really cool. Um, I think because what it is, if you beat the game on easy and normal, uh, it's it ends. You know, it has an explosion after you defeat the brain after it vanishes, explodes. If you play on hard, he comes after you in one more form and he tries to crush you with his claws while you're escaping the tunnel on a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the best boss battles I've seen from the 16 better. Yeah. Uh, it was really cool and I was really impressed by it. So if we're, if we're going to talk about like golden age of gaming, Contra 3 definitely belongs there. And it, oh, yeah. we, we originally had uh, our buddy Leanna Ruppert from Don't Feed the Gamer set to join us. She unfortunately was busy tonight, but she could go on for hours about this game. You oh, know, yeah. or playing in co-op or finding that cool little player switch off thing. I, I thought it was excellent. You know, uh, uh, this is one of the better co-op games games too mm. uh it, there is a little bit of slowdown involved because you know super Nintendo, but i still think it's very cool so i mean kudos uh konami yeah you, you, you're, you're the bum diggity yeah <laughs> uh it, it is really cool like what they do with like difficulty because like a lot of other games like what they'll do with like harder difficulties they'll make it so that enemies do more damage to you or that they become like bolt sponges basically um and it, it's not really all that interesting or fun like when when that's the case but with contra 3 though i mean like the fact that they do actually change up like enemy attacks and like you know how uh, how like um, how how like enemies basically kind of like attack you really, or like different forms that you see that you just don't see if you play on an easier level. Uh, it's um, it, it, that's just like really really cool. And like you know, as, as you mentioned there too, like with like the final boss, like how he has that final form that you can only see uh, if you go through like, you know through the game on hard uh, is, is just really you know just really cool and interesting. So um, yeah, the, the, like, you know a lot of kudos there like the Konami at least back then anyway. Uh, they, they, they 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 you know they definitely knew what they were doing as far as like their games were concerned. Uh, back then, and um, yeah, they, they were they're really kind of like the kings of like, the eight bit and, si- and sixteen bit era, and um, yeah, it's uh, it, it'd be nice to kind of see that come back. But uh, at the very least, like that, you know, there was that kind of like golden age as you mentioned there with uh, Contra Three for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was an incredible game. It still is, you know. And you can play it on the Wii U, you can play it on Nintendo 3DS. Um, it's not on Switch yet, but you know, you never know. I mean, with with Konami doing everything with Nintendo these days, I mean, there mm-hmm. might be a classic compilation or something like that. well it, it's uh, on I, it's on the snes classic i know so at the very least you, yeah. you could play it on that if you pick up an snes classic totally I, I agree with that but yeah i mean this is easily one of the best if not the best uh contra game ever made we'll, we'll reflect on that obviously in mm. a little bit when we get into the main topic but yeah love this game and you should too absolutely absolutely and uh, another contra game we have here is contra hardcore so this is a 1994 run and gun game by konami it was the first Contra game released for a Sega platform. It's also unique in the franchise by having a branching storyline with cutscenes and multiple potential endings. And it is one of the rare instances where the Japanese version of a game is made easier by adding a life gauge that can take three hits and having unlimited continues. And that's compared to the uh, to like the five continues that you get if you're playing on the uh, the North American version. Um, and like you know, and, and also too, like with uh, with the fact that the Japanese version has that life gauge that takes three hits. Um, the North American version is in classic contra format, like where you just take one hit and you die. That's your life, and you just have to try not to get hit. You know, get, to get hit again, lose more lives. So, 
Um, but yeah, hardcore is uh, is, re- is really interesting. A lot of fun. Uh, like the fact that you could play as a uh, like a werewolf, like a bionic werewolf guy, is really neat. Oh yeah, you know. So um, yeah, th- there's a lot lot of cool things that they do with this, uh, especially like when you're on that level where you're on the highway and you're running towards the screen and you have like this giant robot just chasing you down the highway. <laughs> and uh, I think you're, you're just like on foot basically, just like just trying to outrun them. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a really intense boss fight. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool. And especially with the fact too, that, you know, that is very, very, uh, very narrative focused compared to other, uh, other Contra games. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I'm just really impressed by the scope of this game. Now it didn't quite hook me in the same way as, say Castlevania Bloodlines did because I think Castlevania Bloodlines is a little better balanced in terms of the classic gameplay being converted over to Genesis with with Contra it was a little bit tougher this in fact it was a lot tougher I think this is probably one of the toughest Contra games ever made mm. but it was really cool how it introduced four different characters you could choose from uh, its music was really impressive its boss battles were nuts I mean just there was a lot about this game that just really shined out and uh it was kind of a shame it didn't get the love that it deserved, like uh, like Contra Three did. Well, Contra Three, you know, it got re-releases on Wii, on Wii U, uh, you know, 3DS. Contra Hardcore didn't really get that love. You know, it was Genesis, and that's it. You know, it yeah, was... I don't think it got any re-release on any modern consoles. Yeah, you know, it was it was, it was kind of sad. But by the same token, you know, pe- that gives people an excuse to go back uh, and really check it out on the Genesis, which is probably the best way to. Yeah. You know, trolls but i thought this was a fun game like i said very tough though so if you can mm. like you know stock up on those lives and play that werewolf <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which, for sure for sure oh yeah. uh, what was it there was also a little robot yeah if I recall correctly. that was, there, the there, was there was the there was the main yeah there was the main soldier a female soldier the werewolf soldier and the little robot and they all had like different weapons mm-hmm. like if you wanted if you wanted the hunter you had to go with this particular character or if you wanted the spread gun you had to go with this particular character which I thought was interesting, assigning weapons to characters. Yeah, uh, I think you pick up. I think you pick up other power ups too. But it, it was just kind of interesting how if you wanted a particular weapon, the best way to go was you obviously go with this character. But uh, yeah, because like the power ups, like instead of like having you know, like where they drop like say like the spread gun power up, and now all of a sudden you have the spread gun. It, it, was, it was basically like uh, in like a letter system. So there's like A, B, C, or D or whatever, and. I believe, like, whichever one that you pick up, depend, depending on, like, the character who you are, that's, like, the weapon that you got. So, like, A could be, like, a flamethrower for someone, or B could be, like, you know, say, like, a spread shot or whatever. Um, and you just kind of had to know, like, your character well enough, basically, uh, to know, like, which one to pick up. It's like, oh, which one's B again? It's like, oh, yeah, like, I probably want to pick that up. And um, so you, you, you kind of have to, like, just know, like, ahead of time in that case. So it's very trial and error, I feel like, in that case. Uh, but the game itself already has, like, enough replay value to it anyway, like, more than than your standard game like this. Uh, you know, just, like, considering the fact that there are, like, the multiple endings and multiple paths they could take in the story and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I, really I really like the diver- the diversity of the stuff that it offered there. So um, I, I definitely recommend the game. Just like I said, bring a friend. And be prepared to die quite a bit because you're yeah. going to, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I actually have this on my hacked SNES Classic, and uh, it is a lot of fun to go through. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, you know very very difficult, even even with a friend. So uh, you 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 definitely want to like communicate and make sure you're on the same page with what you're doing in that game for sure. But it is a lot of fun. That's going to lead us now into Obscura. 
And, you know, speaking of uh, games that don't get a chance at re-release and everything, I think we've seen a one and done with this particular title. It's Contra Rebirth. Uh, This game came out a few years ago for the original Wii uh, as part of uh, the Rebirth trilogy because there was also a Castlevania Rebirth title and a Gradius Rebirth title. This came out at a time that uh, Konami was kind of re-experimenting with their classic games and uh, re-releasing them with some new touches, new visuals, new level designs. And Contra Rebirth definitely had a little something in common with... um, with hardcore in terms of like the different players you could select, the different boss battles, the mm. challenging scenarios. I mean, there were brand new stage designs. These aren't remakes. They're they're basically brand new games. And Contra Rebirth was a lot of fun. I, I thought it was really impressive uh, how well it came together. Uh, I was really happy with it. And uh, it's just kind of a shame. You know, I, I was hearing about like how uh, Konami was going to re-release the Rebirth games for... Uh, for Nintendo Switch, and that never happened. Mm. Because I think Contra Rebirth and the other Rebirth games would be right at home with the Switch. Especially Rebirth, because, you know, you can play with two players, and it's a lot of fun. And I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I really thought it was a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Have you any, played any of the Rebirth games there, David? I haven't, no, just because I didn't own a Wii at all. So, like, I definitely m- missed out on all of them. Because, uh, uh, you know, so, so just to, like, enlighten me, too, uh, the, you know, there's a Contra Rebirth, there's a Castlevania Rebirth. And, uh, and Gradius. And Gradius as well. Okay. Yeah, so it, it would be cool to have that come back out. And, like, you know, as you mentioned there, like, for Switch. Uh, I think it'll be great to kind of give these games like a second life, honestly, or a rebirth, if you will, <laughs> um, in, in order to come back and have people enjoy them again. Um, but yeah, no, I, I never experienced, but like as, as far as like, what I've like seen of Contra Rebirth, uh, it's, it definitely looks like a lot of fun and definitely looks like it's true to form too, just like the Contra brand. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the thing. It's like, like I said, I think the uh, effort that went into its development, it was only like a $10 game. So you'd think it would be ideal for a re-release on, say, Xbox 360, PlayStation 3. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'm thinking, the only reason why they probably didn't re-release it is they didn't want it to get in the way of Hardcore Uprising, because they both came out around the same time. Okay. Were the Rebirth games like only released online? or? Um. Th- yeah, that's the thing. There was no physical release. Okay. Um, yeah. It, it, it kind of sucks, too, because I really, you know, like I said, a, a compilation release of something like this would really work. Yeah. And... Uh, <sighs> Now we're not going to see it. So hopefully, you know, you know, Konami still has the source code. So hopefully we'll see something along those lines down the road. Because, you know, they, they like I said, they have been talking about um, revisiting their classic ROMs. Or I'm not classic ROMs, classic licenses. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this would be like one of the things that would nominate. The three games are done. How much effort does it take to really just like, you know, put them in and, you know, re-release them? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, I don't know, it, it would just be nice if if Konami did do this. And they seem to be... Making some good moves here and there lately, um, but yeah, like I'm always just kind of like hesitant with like just modern Konami and what it is that they're doing. So um, fingers crossed, but just not super hopeful that they're going to do that. But it, it will be it will be re- really really cool. So we'll see what happens. So that's going to lead us now into our main topic here, which is basically diving deep into the Contra franchise. Um, so we're going to be talking about all things Contra. And um, first off, I just, just kind of like want to, I guess, like open the conversation here on like, I guess, how we would define a Contra game or like what makes Contra Contra in this case. Um, so I, I guess I'll like start off actually just like real quick, just kind of go down the gamut. Um, like I know for me, it's kind of like all about the gameplay, really. And like Contra is like one of the 
gamiest games out there if that makes any sense like it's it's literally just like a pickup play you know exactly what you're supposed to do just you know just run over to the right side shoot anything that moves and just don't get shot <laughs> like it's it's just that simple pretty much it is essentially you know two guys against the world yeah pretty much so i mean it's it, you know if you're gonna, you're gonna fight for survival and all that stuff i mean this, this is a this is really something in which, you know, you're going to need as many bullets as you can. But this came at a simpler time. Obviously, the game was tough, but you had unlimited ammunition, which mm. was really helpful. Because, you know, like in, in some survival games, people, you know, curse the air that they breathe because they can't, they don't have enough gun, you know, bullets, whatever. <laughs> um, so it's really great that Contra just lets you go loose. You know, like you can take down a giant serpent, no problem. You can take down a tank, no problem. Oh, an yeah. armored soldier, ha, he's dead. You know, this is really something. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, so, it's, it's really like, like balls to the wall action and like just like explosions everywhere, you know, just, just blowing up aliens and um, having, you know, having to go through like levels that are HR got Geiger inspired as well. <laughs> like uh, very like kind of creepy and, um, you know, and also like, um, like very like urban, like, you know, it usually kind of starts off in a very like modern, like urban kind of like setting or a futuristic setting. Um, and then it's, it slowly kind of gets more and more HR Geiger inspired, really, just with uh, all kind of creepy alien kind of, um, you know, kind of like designs. Um, and also, too, like with, with having fun weapons to use as well. Like, as we mentioned, like with the spread shot, like that's probably like, the most famous one, honestly, in all of Contra. Um, so, like, you know, having like fun weapons to use and just like destroy enemies with, you know, just, just like left and right is really cool. Uh, especially in, um, I believe it's in Contra 3, actually, like where you can have like the dual weapons, basically. And so when you do like your, your classic spin jump, you can basically just shoot your bullets all over the place as you're up in the Problem air with that when they shoot you know like you have like 100 bullets coming out of one thing and you have like spread bullets coming out of another and there are those little corner spots you know because it doesn't fire eight directions it's more like fires four yeah so you can kind of leave yourself open to an attack you can absolutely yeah and that's kind of part of like the difficulty really in these games too which is like another thing i feel like that the contra franchise is known for is just being like difficult um, but it actually rewards the difficulty in a way like where you want to go through the game in the more difficult settings uh, just because it does reward you with like, you know, say like with like a true ending or like see like more of a boss and see like what else they did in order to kind of make the boss different and more challenging in that case. So it is very re- rewarding in that sense instead of like just simply being bragging rights. It's also to experience more of the game itself, which is always a good incentive, I feel like, if you're going to play through a game on a more difficult setting. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoy the difficulty. Not, I wouldn't say it's overwhelming. It's definitely on a challenging level, but it's not like Dark Souls. You know, it's not like you're dead in three shots, unless you really suck. At well, you're dead in one shot in this case. So. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's like real soldiers. Uh, but, um, I really enjoyed, like, I think the big thing for me uh, is uh, just being able to go along with a friend. I, mm, I think that's yeah. one of the things that was right off the bat magical. Uh, when it came to Contra, it was just highly impressive that a second player could jump in and help you out. I mean, granted, if they sucked and stole your lives, yeah, they suck. Whatever. <laughs> but um, it was just awesome to have somebody have your back. I, I think the only downside to something like that is uh, if they steal your power-ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I, mean, I feel like that's kind of part of like the the co op experience, really. Like where there is that possibility that they can kind of screw you over, even if it is like accidentally, like where they hit start and they steal one of your lives. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> or if you go too fast in like one of the vertical stages and 
Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. The, 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 like that's why, like at least for me anyway, if I'm playing these games with with someone, uh, communication's key. Like where you just have to tell people, like, oh no, no, don't don't go ahead yet, or like let's let's go in together, or like you know let let me catch up, or let's have you catch up so that we don't get ourselves killed that way. So because um, yeah, it's, it's all about you know making sure that the screen is scrolling in a way that's to your benefit instead of to your detriment, because it could really go either way very quickly. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. I think it helps to find somebody who can kick ass and take names alongside you instead of somebody who's like a succubus. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> it, it really helps to have, um, especially if they get the right kind of power-ups. Like, you get somebody with a fireball gun and somebody with a spread gun. You can really clean house, or even just, like, a routine machine gun, because that's really helpful with some bosses. Like, you know, if they have stationary points that you want to shoot at, mm-hmm. you could do just as much damage with the machine gun as you could with the spread gun. Uh, unless you got really close, in which case the spread gun could rip through somebody in a matter of two minutes. For sure, for sure. And uh, I, I was kind of curious, like I guess, um, like from your stance, like what, what would a, what would like a modern day contra game look like, or have to have, I guess, in order to be worth buying? Old school vibes, because you know we we've gotten that. Uh, a few years ago, they released a Contra mobile, right? Mm-hmm. But it was just, um, it wasn't good, you know, because it was a free-to-play thing, which means, you know, you had to purchase a couple things to really get the most out of it. And I don't know, I, I didn't like the approach that way. But, you know, Contra's seen some ugly days in the past. I mean, we'll obviously get to that when we talk about the PlayStation games. But, uh, you know, I, I was really hoping that, you know, one day we would see a good Contra game that, that accepted the hardcore rules of what made a Contra game a Contra game, but at the same time, innovating with some sort of design. I think that's why I really enjoyed um, Hardcore Uprising. Uh, which, well, I'm sure we'll get to that eventually, but this was an anime um, animated game that just uh, really hit on all the right notes. Yeah. Uh, like it, it had like a lot like a lot of cool style to it and um you know being you know just being in, in that like anime sense but still uh kept very much in that contra line of like difficulty really and uh you know having to like learn those levels as you as you kind of like die and then you get like a little bit further and a little bit further and you keep dying as you do that and just having to game over and come back to it and like just being better in it just because now you know more of what to expect but that's just kind of like the classic contra experience i feel like yeah i really think Konami just needs to realize what works so well. But I mean, like we're getting a Castlevania game, but it's also mobile and set up and free to play. I mean, yeah, you know, it's I I think they just need to have a better understanding of what fans want. You know, I would take a hardcore sequel. Well, technically, we got one with Uprising, but I would take like a sequel to Uprising, like nobody's business, a sequel to Shattered Soldier, like Mm -hmm. the games that really dial back to what made Contra Contra, like you said. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed, I'll figure that out. For sure, for sure. And um, I guess we'll go into like some of like our favorite games as well, since since you're just like name dropping there. So at least for like for me anyway, um, like you know at least at least for like for like favorite games as well as like some favorite memories to kind of go along with them too. Actually, I uh, was playing Super C. Um, so I actually played mm. Super C before I played the original Contra, at least like the original Contra on, on the NES, not the arcade one. Um, but uh, yeah, I remember playing through like a lot of Super C with like a friend of mine. Like I, I believe he was the one who owned it. So every time I'll go over to his house, basically we would play that, and we would just kind of keep getting further and further and I, I believe we we definitely had to use like the 30 lives code like every time that we played um but uh yeah we, we were able to actually get through the entire game we eventually memorized the game enough to get through it like with like a healthy amount of lives and then just burn through them basically as we like got through like that last level and up to that, that final boss and 
actually being the game for that first time like that was just like an amazing feeling i remember just because like we, we've been trying to get through this game a you know, little bit at a time as i was mentioned before it's kind of chipping away you die and you learn you die and you learn pretty much um and uh yeah that was just like really really cool just being super c with with that friend of mine um it's kind of like one of the first times i think i remember um beating a game like with someone in like an actual true two-player co-op sense so that, that was that was a really cool feeling um, and another one that I have to mention there too, uh, you know, that, that you mentioned there, there, Robert actually was Contra Shattered Soldier on the PlayStation 2. Um, I didn't own too many games in the PlayStation 2. Like, I mainly got the PS2 actually to play Dance Dance Revolution. Um, but I remember picking up uh, Shattered Soldier here, and uh, it, it is really, really cool. As you mentioned, there it alludes to the uh, old school Contra style, like where it just kind of goes back to that um side scrolling uh just like shoot everything on the screen um it looked very pretty at the time as well i think it still look, looks pretty nice although um looking back on it now it certainly has like a muddier kind of look but i think it's just because like it's just generically like brown as like a lot of modern games kind of like went with at that time um but yeah it, it's still uh it's still like a really cool uh cool contra game and certainly one uh, to kind of look into like if you haven't played that one you know if the colors throw you off i understand that but i think the the most important thing about contra shattered soldier is that they went back to a 2.5 d style you know like with with the legacy of war and the see the contra adventure both probably two of the worst contra games ever made Mm -hmm. uh you know they reverted to more of a 3d side i was shattered soldier i went more to 2d gameplay 3d graphic and it was a little bit muddy and some of the twists did make like i was still trying to figure out why lance is the bad guy spoiler (laughs) But uh, I really enjoyed the game. I thought it was excellent. I thought the boss battles were really something. The power-ups were cool. The graphics were cool. The yeah. soundtrack. The soundtrack was pretty much just death metal throughout. It yeah. was amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty awesome, yeah. Um, yeah but yeah, really just, just like the, um, the like the visuals, as you mentioned there, like being like a 2.5D style, uh, it kind of reminded me as well, too, actually, of our type final. Because um, th- that was very much of like a two and a half D style as well, and that was another game that I owned on the PS2, like one of the few games I owned on the PS2. Um, you you, you kind of tell like where, where like my taste slide, even as I was getting like the the be- uh, I guess like the most like modern consoles like at the time, and still wanted to kind of play games that were like harkening back then. Um, but yeah, it was it was really cool to kind of like have those games uh, still like retain the soul of what those games were all about, but upgrade them in, in ways like where they didn't detract from the experience. Yeah, I, I think just finding that proper balance, I think that happened really well with Shattered Soldier. Uh, and I think the main reason for that, like I said, so many players wanted them to go back to the to the uh, 2D style, even though it's more 2.5D. Mm-hmm. And the PlayStation 2 felt like the perfect platform to bring it back on. And then uh, I, I think it was like a couple of years later, they tried something different. They tried an isometric game called Neo Contra. I have that one on PS3. Mm, Um, Yeah, I I don't know if you heard of that one. It was like an isometric. It's like two-player. They were trying to do something, I think, like with the overhead Super C stages, but it was tilted. Oh, yeah. I do do remember of this. I I never played it, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it was interesting. No, the problem is when you try to offshoot from Contra's core core elements, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, it can throw things off. Like, for instance, I loved Contra and I loved Super C, but I could not get into Contra Force. Contra Force was the third NES game that came out. Yeah, that was the really bad one from what I remember. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was not good. I think it was just a matter of like the way it was broken up instead of feeling like a smooth, flu- smooth flowing experience. Mm-hmm. I understand what Konami was trying to do, but they still failed at it. Yeah. So, but we're not here to talk about failures. We're here to talk about successes. I'm sorry to interrupt you on Shattered Soldier. I just wanted you to know. As muddled as the art style was, I definitely love the 2.5D approach. And obviously, it stuck uh, with the hardcore uprising, which was nice. 
it was, it was really cool. Just like, you know, again, like it just kind of kept that classic uh, Contra style. And certainly the Contra franchise um, in certain entries try to deviate away from it and try to do something new. And I feel like whenever that they would do that, it just did, it just wasn't Contra anymore. Pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, like whether they try to do like uh, like an all, was there like one that tried to do like all top down or like am I thinking of the of the isometric one? The Neo Contra. Neo Contra. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So like whenever they do stuff like that, like I, like I feel like if you're gonna be Contra, if you're gonna be true Contra, you have to be two D side scrolling. Um. At least like the way that like it plays anyway. Like you know having like a three D Contra just doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> you you yeah. you may as well just call it something else. You know. Yeah, exactly. You might as well just call it Shitty Contra. Right. <laughs> um, you know, one of my favorites, I-, I love this one. It didn't get nearly enough attention from fans, but boy, it should have. Um, Contra 4. This came out for the Nintendo DS back in 2007. It was produced by WayForward Technologies. And this is easily one of the best games in the series. It was a side-scrolling. It was made in the same style as Contra 3, the Alien Wars. I mean, these guys channeled Alien with their development and it, it actually takes place two years after aliens wars concluded and uh you had to go up against a, a similar alien by the name of black viper oh okay. instead of red falcon you know I, I guess people really like their colors and their animals yeah <laughs> well sure. i thought this was really great uh it featured two new characters too mad dog and scorpion nice <laughs> uh but they're actually the code names for bill and lance so they said they were new but then eh, you know whatever uh, but I thought this game was phenomenal. I thought this was one of the best entries in the Contra series. And it was only on the DS. They didn't do like a, a console version, which I killed me. I would have loved to see a re-release for Wii U or Nintendo Switch or something. Because mm-hmm. this is a game that deserves to be celebrated. It, it's sort of like, um, what was it? There was a, a portable game released years before called Operation C. I don't oh, know yeah. If it was the Game Boy one. Game Boy. Yeah. It, it was one of those handheld games that perfectly recaptured the feeling of Contra while at the same time offering something new because Operation C was a single player game mm-hmm. Contra 4 I think yeah it's Contra 4 had two players uh, but it was all done in a different different way leading down the same path that Alien Wars went but with different level design and just the gameplay really felt like core Contra I, I mm-hmm. really love this game and uh, I don't know have you played this one Contra 4 Contra 4 I haven't but I know I discovered it not too long ago and it's actually sitting in my Amazon wish list actually uh, because you can play DS games on your 3DS so like I've been meaning to kind of pick this up at some point uh, so it's a play it on my 3DS so if you still have a 3DS you can still play Contra 4 if you get your hands on the, on the copy there um, exactly so um, good yeah. luck getting one though because it's a little expensive I believe it, <laughs> yeah it can be although um, last time I checked on Amazon it's not too bad but yeah you should be able to find oh, one. it's 25 bucks or no actually no I can get a copy box or anything for 10 bucks on eBay oh okay yeah. then yeah, there we go Perfect. there you go yeah <laughs> relive those memories well never mind me then go get this game there you go yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, we, we were also mentioned there there too with like hardcore uprising as well and uh, that was the game that came out for ps3 x and, and xbox 360 and um yeah. I, I remember picking this guy uh, i remember picking this game up as soon as it came out uh just because of how cool it looked and also the fact that it just played like old school contra basically and um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. Really cool, uh, really cool style as we mentioned. And um, yeah, it's just kind of like in that classic side-scrolling shooting kind of like a uh, kind of style. So uh, now the cool neat. thing is they went with Arc System Works as the developer. These are the yeah. guys that brought Dragon Ball Fighter Z and Blast Blue Cross Guilty Tag Gear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this game was tough, but it was really cool. And on top of that, there was also something where you could purchase additional characters via DLC. Mm-hmm which I thought was really cool. I'm, I'm trying to look up who that was because I, th- I don't know if that finalized or not. It would have been a cool plan. No, here we go. Three additional characters. Sayuru, Harley Daniels, and who I believe was the werewolf. 
I could be wrong. Oh, and God. a character named Leviathan. Uh, I think these were cool characters as well, but I like the two core characters. That was uh, Colonel Bahamut, and uh, there was another one. There's like the blonde woman, I remember. Yeah. The blonde, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, There's um, so much awesomeness with Contra. Uh, yeah. yeah. And like just like the, with like, the art style, too, it really does kind of harken back to like Guilty Gear, really. Like it screams Guilty Gear with like its style. Like oh. I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain it's like the same artist, basically, who did like the art aspects oh, yeah. of the game. Um, you mean same developers. So, yeah, Guilty Gear. You're, you're definitely onto something. Yeah, you really are. Um, but yeah, I was just really impressed by the style of this game. And if you want to check it out, I believe it's still available, and oh, you can it? actually uh, play it on Xbox One. Oh, yeah, it's backward compatible now. So uh, let me check something. I'm just gonna check the shop real quick. But I believe you could still get it because you know uh, Konami likes money. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but well, uh, yeah, they, I think I think just well, even if you don't have that one, I know Contra and Super Contra are available on Xbox One as well. So yeah, and um. I'm trying to remember too, like I know I know you could pick up like uh, some of the Contra games on the on the 3DS as well. Actually, if you uh, if you go oh, yeah. to eShop on that, so Con- Contra Three is yeah, and it looks like you can buy Hardcore Uprising for fifteen bucks on Xbox One. Oh wow, okay, and it's very much worth it. Yeah, um, so yeah, I mean, aside from uh, Contra Shattered Soldier and. Uh, Contra 3, The Alien Wars, and Operation C, and Contra 4. I think that pretty much covers most of my favorites. I do like the original one. Yeah. Uh, the original Contra was kind of fun. I mean, the physics were a little off compared to the home version, but uh, I-, I thought there was something cheesy about it. I actually own the arcade marquee art, uh, which mm. features those two bulk guys just standing there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> guns! <That's> guns! Cool. <laughs> but yeah, I-, I actually have the marquee art. Super Contra was a little bit different in terms of its design. I mean, it was it was still pretty cool, but uh, yeah, like I said, you can check out the arcade games on Xbox. I, I definitely recommend doing so, but... Mm-hmm. David, you know, in the midst of talking about our favorites, we also came across some games that are not our favorites, and that's probably because they they deviated so much from the Contra formula. And the three titles, well, the four titles, I guess, stand out to me. Um, The first one is obviously uh, Contra Force. Yeah. Uh, You know, this was a game that was trying to do something different. Uh, There were five different stages, including odd number stages and stuff like that, and different characters you could choose from. The controls were the same, but the structure really wasn't, was it? Yeah, no, it, it had some like weird power up system because I remember they were trying to do uh, do kind of like the same thing as like the space shooters, like you know, like um, like like uh, like with Gradius, um, and um, yeah, they're just trying to do like some like different things and like yeah, I guess like so as to try to get away from just doing the same game more or less over and over, just with you know new paint and skin. And I, I could totally understand that uh, you know that need that want as a creator of these games. Um, but at the same time, like every time that they would, they would try to do something different. It just seems like it would fall flat for the most part, which is unfortunate, really. Um, it just kind of goes to show that like, you know, Contra really is a specific thing. Like when you say Contra, people do do think of like that one specific thing of like what it is. Like you, you, you just run like from left to right. Um, you pick up your weapons and you shoot anything in sight. That's basically what it's, what yeah, it's all about. Pretty much. Now I did like one thing and that is the different characters each had their own unique skills and weapons that's something that carried over into hardcore but the game itself it just really wasn't that well made and if i understand correctly it was also loaded with a bunch of slowdown and flicker i mean you know contra games they've been slow before if you played with two players but Mm -hmm. they've had the kind of pacing where you didn't really notice or you used it to your advantage but here it almost felt like it really didn't serve a purpose. Yeah, it, it, it seemed like it was kind of very, um, it was a very rushed kind of game anyway, because uh, it came out in 1992, I know. 
Um, and that was like around like the end of like the uh, the NES lifespan anyway, and that's kind of like leading yeah. into like with like you know Super Nintendo and like all that stuff. So it's it did seem like it was just kind of like just you know crapped out there pretty much just kind of get it out there so that konami could like work on like the next thing with like super nintendo and the sega genesis and all that stuff so yeah i mean i can understand if they were just trying to crank that stuff out so they could get to work on top-notch super nes releases instead but i'll tell you where else they blew it david they blew it on the the original playstation because here was a system that would have been primed for something like Shattered Soldier, and instead they went with a different direction again. Because I think they were trying to hop on the 3D bandwagon. You know, back then, you know, 3D games were everything because Crash Bandicoot, because Tristan Metal or whatever, you know, all these different games. So first up was Contra Legacy of War. Uh, this game came out in uh, 1996, and it had characters who, you know, using weapons and everything like that. But generally, it was just kind of a shame because the game differed so much from previous Contra titles. You know, it was just a 3D mess. Yeah. You know, it was like it didn't really fit this. You know, it didn't have the gameplay that we love so much from the Contra game. It was trying to do it, but with the 3D setup and the, and the poor design, I believe it was developed by uh, Appaloosa Interactive. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that team. I v- Very vaguely. Um, I remember hearing about them. I just don't remember hearing anything really all that good coming out of them, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is unfortunate, but I mean, like, the, the, the 3D style, I, I do remember, and, that, you know, as you mentioned there, like, with it being very messy 3D, I mean, this is like the early age of 3D games, pretty much, so this is them just kind of like testing out as far as like what they could do in 3d and like for like a lot of like franchises that have like the roots in 2d gaming it just generally did not work out for them uh, at least for the most part yeah and then what's worse they were trying to make up for it with their next game see the contra adventure it came out one year later 1998 they were trying to start off with some sort of side scrolling thing and then all of, you know like the contra thing but then it just went back into 3d mess you know there was a really awful 360 degree movement that didn't belong in a contra game free roaming third person stuff that didn't belong in a contra game maybe the design was just hideous um i'm actually looking at a couple of reviews here ign gave it like a one out of ten <laughs> and uh it, it's just Wow, you know, be- between these two, I think the company was just like, okay, we're cutting these developers loose, and we're gonna, we're just gonna do, you know, Shattered Soldier. So it, it sounds like if anything, Konami learned from its mistakes, and they made up for them with better games down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, like what, what Contra Force didn't accomplish, Contra Three did. What uh, obviously uh, the PlayStation games didn't accomplish, Shattered Soldier did. So now we're kind of full circle again because the last real major Contra game we've gotten that wasn't a slot machine was uh, Contra Evolution. It came out in 2010. It came out for mobile devices. A remake of the original Contra that was released in China, but it also came out in other markets too. Uh, it featured updated graphics, new characters to choose from. But the problem is um, a lot of the game you had to access by purchasing stuff. Like you had to pay to play to get credits mm. because otherwise I think you only had like two or three lives. I only had like two lives or whatever. And, you know, the design, I understand, but the whole free-to-play nature of the game killed it. It, it just really didn't do it any favors. I don't, I don't know if you ever came across it or not, but it, it died pretty quickly because... Yeah, I don't think I, I even, like, heard of this one, to be honest. And I, I guess it, like, just shows, like, it's, like, lifespan pretty much if it died that quickly. Yeah, I mean, seriously, you, you saved a bull. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was just so bad and so poorly done. So now I can't help but think, you know, Konami... Also released, uh, what was it, Contra of the Return, but it was just in China, and I heard it was just as bad. Yeah. So now I can't help but think 
we're due for another comeback. So, I mean, the best thing is to keep it classic, keep it simple, you mm-hmm. know, do a Shattered Soldier HD, or a brand new game. You know, I, I would love to see Arc System Works come back. I know they're busy, but I'd love <laughs> to see them come back to do another hardcore uprising. Or for that matter, um, gosh, you know, there are so many 2D developers that are good. Imagine if Motion Twin mm. got their hands on the Contra franchise. Yeah. Or if you get like way, way forward, like back into it, you know, like, Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're actually not doing much. Well, they're doing the Shantae thing. So I, I guess they're busy with that. But yeah. But like after, after Shantae, though, I mean, certainly work on like another Contra or like maybe if you, if you get like Retro Studios in there as well. I think, um, you know, I, th- I think that might be like a good fit for like a new Contra game. Um, you know what would sound good? Mm-hmm. Contra 5. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that wouldn't I be mean, yeah. bad. Right I, and, and you know, these guys understand running gun because last year, WayForward released uh, The Mummy Demastered. Mm-hmm. A great game based on a shitty movie. So obviously they can, <laughs> if they can spin that into gold, imagine what they could do with Contra Five for Xbox One, PlayStation Four, Nintendo Switch. Yeah, throwing it out there, Konami. <laughs> <laughs> Please and thank you. Yeah, uh, it's, it's been over ten years, like since we had Contra Four. So and since then we just haven't had that numbered sequel. Even though we we certainly had like a number of good, um, like you know, it's kind of like a mixed bag really of like games like you know, after that uh, that just didn't have the number attached to it. But to all of a sudden say, yeah, Contra 5 made by way forward. And it's just kind of like just basically uh, taking what was, you know, good in Contra 4 and just modernizing it and adding some new bells and whistles or trying out some new cool things or whatever as far as like mechanics are concerned. But for the most part, still keeping that classic 2D side scrolling sh- shoot 'em up action. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anybody can do it, it's way forward. But again, I would love to see what Motion Twin would do with it. <laughs> you know, I mean, we are talking about you know Dead Cells being an amazing game, so yeah, you know if they could do that with Metroidvania, imagine what they could run and go. Again, well, especially in that same style too, like in, in like oh, yeah. the graphical style, yeah. With the visual style, oh hell yes, <laughs> it'd be amazing. I'd love to probably be like, uh, oh god, it'd probably be like the Mummy Demastered all over again. I I, I yeah. really would like a dark, deep Contra game, like you know, just one that is all about survival and everything. Bring it on, you know. I, I would love to see something like that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, am I on the right trail there, David? I think you're definitely on the right trail. Um, I, I, I certainly think that there needs to be, you know, I, I, like I certainly think that there needs to be uh, like a return to that classic form of what makes Contra fun. But you know, again, like just kind of thinking of like what what new things that you can add, that, like, at least to kind of make it like, okay, this is our Contra game, like who our developers are for this. This is our Contra game. This is what we need to do. I, I think we're both really on the right track as far as like there needs to be a Contra 5 made by way forward. I, I think that would be great. If you get like Retro Studios like to do like their own thing too, I mean, I think that would be really neat. Although personally, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea either if you can kind of see if Arc System Works would do like a hardcore uprising too of some sort. Because yes, they are very busy with all their fighting games right now. But if they're looking to kind of you know take a break from the fighting game scene at least for like a bit, like in between like their games that are, you know that they're doing with uh, with Dragon Ball Fighters, with Blaze Blue, and like all that stuff, um, and you know with like Guilty Gear as well, it would be cool to kind of see them go back to this franchise and see like what they can do uh, that would be you know cool and interesting, and also keep that really neat uh, anime art style. I, I agree. Well, David, I mean, we've talked about our favorite Contra games here, but uh, we also asked our community yeah. what their favorite Contra games are. Uh, what do we got? Absolutely, yeah. So we got some listener responses here. Uh, starting off with Charles Lay, who says, Contra 3, when the Predator music starts to play, is an oh shit moment. So um, I don't know if you remember that. Like in, in Contra 3, there is like a track that plays um, like where it sounds very much like the Predator music.
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. <laughs> that, was a, <laughs> that was a pretty twisted track there. I loved that. Yeah, it just kind of like amps up to it. It's like all of a sudden you just kind of hear it. So I, I think wasn't didn't it come up like when that um, what was it that bone or that steel dragon or something like that? You were climbing up the wall and it tried to stab you with the tail. Yeah, was I think so. I, yeah, I want to say yeah, it was like yeah. a boss theme. So yeah, <laughs> it's really neat. And uh, he he also follows up here too with I also love the final boss that attacks based on what you choose intentionally or accidentally. Still nothing has ever been quite like that. So that was something that you alluded to when we were originally talking about Contra 3. And um, yeah, just like the fact that you're, um, for lack of a better term, and like he actually had like a meme to kind of go along with this to choose the form of your destructor, just like Gozer would say in Ghostbusters, um, is very much in that same like wheelhouse very much. So that, that's, that's a really neat uh, just like comparison to that. Uh, so kudos to you there, Charles, with the Ghostbusters reference. Um, Eric Rowland, who says, my favorite Contra game has always been the first one on, on the NES. Had some great times dying in that game over and over again. <laughs> so um, that's, that's like something that everyone kind of has to learn like you're gonna die a lot and then maybe eventually you might get to the next level <laughs> so uh there's also cory uh cory rayberg who says contra and contra hardcore on the genesis hardcore was just ridiculous fun uh which is followed up to by brett painter who says i liked hardcore but it was too short um Aww. which um i mean like I, I can certainly see that but at the same time Hard- hardcore is short, but it's also very replayable, as I mentioned, because of all the different endings that you can get. So, oh, totally, yeah. So try it again. Exactly, yeah. Just try again and get like a new ending. So, uh, there's also Jason Yong who says Contra Three is my favorite. The soundtrack is incredible, which we certainly talked about. Uh, Michael Russell here who says Probotector on the NES. So Probotector mm-hmm. was basically the um, the European Contra, I guess. German, I think it was. German, yeah. Because yeah. it, it was whatever country it was in uh, where they were just very against uh, having uh, people shooting people, basically. So instead they had you play as robots <laughs> shooting other robots. <laughs> so I guess that make to make it less disturbing in a sense. But um, but yeah, no, that's 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 what they did. And they said they, they kind of kept that Probotector uh, brand, really, I guess, like, you know, like for like a long while. Um, so yeah, and we'll, that's not the last we'll hear of Probotector in this uh, line of, um, you know, line of, uh, of listener responses here. Uh, there's also Corwin, Corwin Jericho St. Pierre, uh, who says Super C was top notch. Uh, Justin Pinter, who says the original NES Contra is a classic. One of the best things about the franchise was the difficulty. And uh, finally here, there's Chris Randazzo, who says, Alien Wars is my favorite. That giant Terminator-looking boss that busts in through the wall was absolutely amazing, which I oh, I believe I yeah. remember because, like, he's just, like, a giant Terminator, literally. is like, his head busts through, and, like, his hands are trying to, like, grab you or something. Um, it, was a pre- it was a pretty nutty boss, but... Um, yeah, he says uh, it was absolutely amazing, uh, as was that entire game soundtrack. I also really loved Operation C, which we mentioned there. That was that Game Boy game. Uh, that homing shot was a real game changer. And Portable Contra, especially at the time, was so nice to have. And Contra 4 for DS uh, was incredible. All the unlockable characters, including Probotector. So apparently they added in Probotector as like a bit of a callback uh, to like the history of, of, of Contra, at least like overseas. So, uh, so that was really neat. And um, yeah. the weapon upgrade system and that super cool grappling hook where it was nuts. Uh, darn it, now I want a Contra collection. <laughs> so <laughs> I think we could definitely get behind that, Robert. Yeah, I mean, oh, God, could I? Um, <laughs> It's we just need a new game. That that's basically the bottom line here. Is that a lot of fans miss Contra. They miss the old days of Contra Three, Contra Four, Contra Hardcore. I mean, 
in the original NES games. Uh, and it, you know what the really sad part about it is, David, to kind of wrap up the point here of their show? Mm-hmm. The original Contra didn't get the love it deserved. Because if you recall correctly, um, or, or directly, rather, <laughs> um, Super C got released on, like, the NES Classic, the Wii U, the Wii, uh, you know, 3DS. But Contra didn't. The original Contra did not get a re-release outside of the NES. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found out why. Konami apparently didn't do something with the trademarks. It was something as simple as misplacing a paper. Yeah. And because of that, Contra did not get the love it deserved. I mean, it, it is great to play the NES version or the arcade version on Xbox One, but, oh, God. I mean, out of all the iconic favorites I would have liked seeing the NES Classic, Contra was right there at the top of the list. You know, we got Super C, but not Contra. I mean, on on the flip side, we also did not get Contra Force. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that that would have sucked. But, you know, I, I just can't help but think when Konami does something, they should re-release the original Contra with it. Yeah. Bring us back to what to where, you know, where it all started with us. I mean, uh, I think that would be a novel idea. Yeah. I mean, th- that was uh, that was like a story, actually, that we had in, uh, in like an earlier episode some time ago. And, um, you know, like, like where it was basically that clerical error, basically, is like, as far as like why they can't legally have, I guess, like the original Contra out, like, to, you know, to be re released on like modern consoles. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, it's like a shame, really. And it's like so odd. And like, you know, especially the fact that like this is like, you know, this, this is Konami and like Konami obviously like owns the trademark for the, you know, for the Contra franchise, but they can't, you know, because of this simple clerical error, um, they they can't release like the original Contra like for you know for like Switch or whatever so, so it's just weird yeah yeah or like with like the NAS Classic in this case but uh, it's it's just really odd and uh, it is a shame but um, at the very least uh, you know if if you are like savvy enough to know how to operate around uh, you know around certain programs you could certainly add in Contra to the NES Classic if you really wanted to so I'll just leave yeah, that I mean- at that. <laughs> I really, really hope that, you know, it gets a re-release someday. I mean, now that Konami apparently is coming back together. I mean, you because know, they included Bill and Lance in uh, Super Mama Man R. Yeah. Uh, as part of a free update, which was nice. I, I don't know if they have the spread gun or not. I don't think they did. Um, <laughs> Might be but, cheating and, at know, that point. <laughs> it, 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 it's something there. But, uh, you know, they're starting to pay a little more respect to the classics. So hopefully one day we'll see the return of Contra that it deserves. Indeed. And uh, on that note, I have a code giveaway here. It's for a Steam game called Evergarden. Evergarden is an original evergreen puzzle merged with a 3D adventure game. Uh, it, essentially, it was made by uh, a team of uh, Flip Fly, I believe they call themselves. Mm. And uh, it just it's a tribute to love of all things that bloom and grow and escape to a peaceful place where things make sense and time seems to stand still. So in case you uh, need like just... a break away from like all the shooting and like, you know, death and destruction in the Contra Yeah, games. yeah. <laughs> just enduring a classic adventure. Totally against what we're talking about with Contra, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but here is the code here. It is N-N-A-Y-N j-i-z-d-w-9-j-l-i-m and that is for evergarden on steam do enjoy indeed and uh so that's gonna lead us into like another uh like into like another news story here uh we we would normally have have random select here but uh since we do not have a guest we figured we may as well just shelve that for now um Mm -hmm. but yeah this is like a story that you brought to my attention here robert uh that a high school student basically shooting earthbound in the space yeah apparently he was told that he could ship something the size of a small object um into space and so he elected for some reason to do an earthbound cartridge um it was part of a neat little experiment uh the kid's name is uh 
Ronnie Doyle is a 14-year-old, and the way he set it up, he had the cartridge set up in this little harness thing, and he had a camera on it the whole time. Um, he said the process of sending the game is very frightening. It's a $200 game that has a big risk of not coming back in one piece. <laughs> cartridge was drilled into both sides to ensure it has a safe flight, but I decided to take that risk. Uh, not sure why, but there it is. And uh, in the video, it, it goes all the way up into space. It reaches about 100,000 feet. And then it came back to Earth, uh, where a group called the Earth to Sky Calculus Group managed to track down the cartridge and, I guess, take it back to him. I don't know if they were in the same area or not. Um, but here's the interesting part, David. He did all this for that cartridge, right? Yep. It went into the far reaches of space. It, it didn't burn up upon reentry or anything. He later tested the cartridge, and it works. Yeah. Yeah, those, uh, I mean, like, you know, th this, this kind of goes for, like, I guess, like, the, the games as well as, like, the consoles themselves back then. Those things were just, like, built like tanks. Like, they were built to last, you know? Yeah, you could throw them across the room at your brother and yeah. you know, hurt him. <laughs> but the cartridge will be fine. <laughs> but uh, it was kind of funny. He, he said he vows to hold on to the game unless someone wants to trade him stadium events for it. Just launch that into space. <laughs> yeah, which which is kind of, you know comes to like the other surprising part of this uh, of the story actually is like the fact that this is like you know this is a high school student. He's like a freshman, I guess, like you know being fourteen years old, and he apparently you know has a you know deep appreciation for retro gaming. Really, like he knows like roughly what the, what the price tag is for you know for for an Earthbound cartridge, and uh, he knows what stadium events is as well like as far as like making the joke that like oh yeah like i might trade this if you give me stadium events so like he he obviously has like uh you know enough like knowledge on retro gaming which i just find fascinating for a 14 year old yeah i mean but i'm really wanting to know what was going through an edge like this is my most expensive cartridge i'm gonna shoot it in the space <laughs> you know it's, it's like me i don't need this nintendo switch yeah send it into space I, I can understand like just like the idea of it like one being something that's like pretty valuable but also too with the fact that the game is called earthbound and so you're trying to get you know get it off of earth basically so i, I can understand like his his uh, line of thinking there as far as like uh, just the humor behind it and i think he does actually make that joke at some point there in the in the, in the article uh oh yeah yeah, I guess he, 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 he's just like, as far as I know, this is the only copy of Earthbound that is not bound to Earth. So Yeah, that, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> which is like the kind of joke that I would make, so kudos to him for making dad jokes already at this point. So This is why I need another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it is really cool, and like it certainly made, like, made for like a cool video, which is in that uh, you know th that article that you posted up there on Comic Book there, Robert. So uh, and, you know, again, we'll have like the link for that, as well as like, the other stories which you talked about in this episode in the show show notes so um yeah. so that's really really cool so uh and yeah that's basically the uh the uh, the episode right there i don't know if there's anything else you want to throw out there robert before we close um, the shop I, I do want to note that i will be at QuakeCon this weekend so by the time this episode is out the show will be in full swing they'll have shown off doom eternal mm. and they'll have some discussions about fallout 76 uh, different panels i will be at the show until sunday morning so if you are going out come out say hi and stuff i will be uh Having, I will host me about hosting. I will have a number of different interviews with teams. I will talk about hands on. So next week we will have not only those interviews from QuickCon, but I also got those RTX Austin interviews that I will have yes. as well. So be sure to check next week. And I think we're also going to try to get some uh, some more guests in the show as well. I know we're talking to a couple of people to come on the show mm -hmm. uh, right before PAX. So it's it's it, we've got a good few weeks coming up. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And um, as for me, like I do have uh, my trip to New York, which I should be in New York basically by the time that you're all listening to this episode. Um, and I'll you know I'll be over there for Play NYC, which is like the event there that I got uh, got invited for. So that should be a lot of fun to check out and see what games they have. 
Um, and then a few weeks after that, we'll be PAX West, and I'll be over there, uh, you know, kind of check out, like, you know, get, you know, again, games that they have over there, and, um, you know, any sort of, like, interviews to kind of pick up there, and, uh, yeah, just kind of bask in all the experience there, as well as experience the, uh, the Seattle brewery scene, so, <laughs> uh, which is always fun to check out, so. Make sure to go to Elysium. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely plan to check that out as well. I have, like, a few places in mind, but Elysium, I know, is definitely one of them, so. And... Oh, and get, give me something from Pink Gorilla. All right. <laughs> Anything else that you want? to robert <laughs> yeah while you're at it, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. uh, just have a good time man and get, lot, get, get lots of interviews make sure your yeah. recorder works yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah i plan to do that i plan to get together with uh with, with kinsey burke as well because you know that's that's that's, nice. that's, that's, that's kinsey's hometown so uh, oh yeah totally so uh, you know we'll, we'll be sure let's like, you know do uh to hang out with her and uh check out the games and have a fun time so it should be good and we'll have like plenty of interviews from play you know play nyc from pax west from rtx with you as well as QuakeCon. so uh yeah there's just plenty of content that's that's going to be coming out very soon uh so do stay tuned so um, and yeah, that's basically Arcast episode 123 in the books. Uh, so if you want to find Arcast on Twitter, we are at Arg Podcast. Same thing for Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash Arg Podcast. And if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at the Guilty Man. Well, follow me on Twitter is at twitter.com slash the DCD. You can also check out my work at comicbook.com slash gaming. Indeed. And uh, also, if you want to um, uh, to send us any like uh, questions, any like feedback, or any uh, any like retro games you want us to cover, or anything at all, really, you could email us at rcast at retrozap.com. And uh, be sure be, before I go into like with, with like the RetroZap shows, you know, because I did go out of order there. Um, we actually have like partnership with uh, with Don't Feed the Gamers, so be sure to check them out at don'tfeedthegamers.com. That's run by our good friend Leona Roberts, so be sure to check them out for all your fan driven uh, like you know gaming news and reviews and whatnot. And uh, yeah, and also you know if if you want to uh, to check out other RetroZap shows, uh, there's all sorts of ones. Uh, there are you know especially of the Star Wars variety. There is Bruise and Blasters, Kanata's Castle, Starship Sabers and Scoundrels, uh, you know uh, Skywalker through Neverland. Uh, there's also Beltway Bonthas, which is really cool because because it, it combines both Star Wars and politics. So if you're of both minds, it's definitely the podcast for you. There's also the Animaniacs. So if you're a big Animaniacs fan, that's definitely the podcast for you. And they're also Raw Paulson approved. There's also the uh, uh, the Deucecast movie show, so just like the title suggests, they are a movie podcast, and those guys have been doing it for over 300 episodes now, so they definitely know what they're doing over there. And there's also the Tech to Wretched Dads, so if you love old school stuff, and of course you do because you listen to the R-Cast, you'll love the Tech to Wretched Dads because they cover stuff in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, not only just video games, but also toys, commercials, things like that. And yeah, there's also us with Rcast, so be sure to uh, you know to find us on iTunes, where you can give us five stars, subscribe, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Stitcher and also Google Play Music, so there's absolutely no reason to not listen to the Rcast. And yeah, again, that's Rcast episode 123 in the books. Until next time, keep it retro. And remember, if all else fails, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. Indeed, yes. <laughs> we didn't even mention that, how it takes advantage of the Konami code and gives you 30 lives and makes the game immensely easier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I did mention, like, with, like, the 30 lives code, but, like, yeah, that's basically oh, that's the, right, the, 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 the Konami code, though, and which is uh, certainly iconic in the Contra franchise. Oh, there you go. All right, so make sure you stock up in those lives, people, because these games are going to kill you before you kill them. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Catch you later.
Hey, this is Adam. This is Mike. And this is David. From Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover. We make a fortnightly video game podcast. Fortnite means every two weeks. Covering gaming news, game reviews. I give it five out of five tacos. And whatever crazy audience tweets come in. And sometimes celebrities like Arnold even stop by to sing karaoke. I look just like Buzzy Each episode we feature one burning topic, game dev interview, or super guest friend from the world of gaming. Check us out on the HP Video Game Podcast Network or on sbfvgs.com. I don't care about that. Well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.